Welcome to the Ancestral Kitchen Podcast with Allison, a European town dweller in central Italy, and Andrea living on a newly created family farm in Northwest Washington State, USA. Pull up a chair at the table and join us as we talk about eating, cooking, and living with ancient ancestral food wisdom in a modern world kitchen. Allison, how are you? Uh, I'm good. Yeah, how are you today? <laughs> I'm doing awesome. I'm so just so ready for this. This is a conversation that needs to be had, and <laughs> we need to have it right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You you know how I feel about it, so I totally agree yep. with you. Before we get into um, specifics and into the details of what we're covering today, um, let's share what we've been doing around Patreon this week yeah, because we're building something to add to what we're doing explain explain to everyone listening what we're doing well we don't know what we're doing so that's a great way to start <laughs> <laughs> we neither um you or i allison has ever set up a patreon although we are both faithful followers on um, our favorite patreons mm. i absolutely love 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 being <laughs> um a patreon i don't know what you call it member customer um for the podcast that I follow. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's, it's definitely something I, um, probably never thought I would do, but it's just some, you know, I've decided I'm passionate about the subject and listen to on that podcast. And, um, I love getting that extra content. So it really inspired me to want to create something like that for our podcast, because there's only so much that we can upload here in the podcast format. But for the people who are really invested in creating this lifestyle and learning how to cook ancestral and just getting their nutrition and their body, you know, into a place that feels good for them, for those people, I'm really, really passionate. And I know you are too, Allison, because we've talked about this so many times yeah. about having that extra content available. So, um, so Allison and I have been envisioning a Patreon where you get extra content, kind of just like bonus episodes on a secret <laughs> podcast and um, just a, a good way to deepen and enrich your experience of the podcast itself, to, to build more onto things, have more interviews with farmers and um, just really invest in all of our collective hells, but also in the really practical sense for you and me, Allison, help yeah. pay for the expenses of running a podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then we to go deeper and and to build yeah, something, yeah. to build a community which yeah. supports us and we support it. Right. It's kind of a circle. And I think um, so, so. The thing that you and I have talked about, Allison, for the Patreon that I think I'm the most excited about is when you brought up the idea of having a monthly Zoom where we could get together with Patreon members, mm. and that's something I really really want to work hard to be able to pull off because I think I, I feel like for me that's where it all makes sense I mean <clears throat> we're a couple weeks into this launch and I can't tell you the, <laughs> the way it makes me feel when I get text messages or messages on Instagram or whatever from anybody yeah. saying oh some of you have said things like yeah yeah like I used to do sourdough <laughs> and this inspired me to start again um or I have yeah. never made kefir but I ordered grains and just seeing pictures of what people are making 
and and I just I keep saying to my husband, can you believe it? You know, we talked about this on the podcast, and now somebody's gut is being healed, and they're gonna have a better experience in life because we talked about it. I don't know; it just totally yeah. blows my mind. So, um, to have the the extra content and the Zoom calls to just take all of that deeper and make it that much more of um, just a joy for anybody who's interested in supporting the just the day-to-day expenses of the podcast I feel like that that would just I don't know I'm all about that and I love that <laughs> yeah so we're we're working on it at the moment we're not sure what form it's going to take yet mm. um but hopefully in the next few weeks we'll have more information and be able to share it which is nice yeah I mean it definitely feels a little bit like um fumbling <laughs> through the dark like Let's try clicking this. Let's see what happens if we click on this. Does it work? (laughs) Of course, it's all in the middle of the night for me and the the crack of dawn for Allison. But I I also am just so surprised at how much fun this is. And and I count down the days to when you and I are going to talk. And I look forward to our conversation so much. So... And Allison, one of the favorite messages Mm. I keep getting from um, my friends and Mm -hmm. people on Instagram that... Um, follow the account <laughs> they all mm. say we love to hear Allison's voice we love Allison's voice <laughs> I could just listen to her talk <laughs> oh uh, yeah so and I agree I agree <laughs> thank you thank you very much I like talking so there we yeah. go so tell me what you had um for your supper this evening oh this was this was fun actually it kind of reminded me it's very similar to when we had our um hog butchering dinner but Gary had a friend mm. over tonight who was helping him we have a like a year-round glamping tent up on the hill up in the forest and there's mm-hmm. a wood stove in it so they're bringing it down here to do some maintenance on the stove and it's like heavy and everything so um so the guy came out and so we made dinner and um gary cooked a bone in roast from the pig and then Mm -hmm. i made biscuits we had honey apple jelly and of course fermented mustard and sauerkraut you know the things that you would always have with Mm -hmm. pork and then i had I had some beets and some limes and cabbage and mm-hmm. half of a leek and carrots sitting around. So I basically just shredded all that together and I poured in some juice from sauerkraut to make it kind of like instant probiotic and yeah. a little bit of balsamic vinegar. Uh, let's see, salt and pepper. That was it. And so it made a great tossed salad. But the best part, okay. <laughs> the best part was after we finished dinner, I packed it into a glass container mm-hmm. and I just left it on the counter. <laughs> so it, hey, excellent. <laughs> so it's uh, saving room in the refrigerator, but also going to get a little bit fermented for tomorrow. So yeah, it'll be fun. Lovely. Lovely. Yeah. Sounds really delicious. Oh, it was really good. I haven't had breakfast yet, oh. so you're making me hungry. Well, what did you eat last night for dinner? Oh, I wasn't expecting that question. Okay, <laughs> let me think about that. Um, do we have last night? Oh, we had um, bread. And I had the um, beer bread that I make. Ooh, so yeah. bread that's been made into bread, sprouted, made into beer, and then strained out and then made into bread. It is absolutely delicious. And I feel so kind of like completing the circle with using the grains to make the drink 
with the beer, which is probiotic, right. and then using the grains again to make a bread out of that. So I had some of that, and I had butter on the top of it and a little bit of salt, and I had some scrambled eggs, which had some fresh garlic chopped mm, into them. We got some fresh garlic at the um, market this week. And I think there was some cold fried onions from earlier in the day. And I had those, yeah, I had those with it as well. Red onions, um, cold, it was very, cold red yeah. onions. Yeah, cold red onions, which we fried with some pork oh, earlier oh, in the day. Oh. So they were kind of covered in fat. Yum. Really nice. Oh, that sounds great. Really tasty. Oh, I love that. So, yeah. Um, now, by the time this airs, since we usually record a few weeks ahead of time, then it might already be out. But mm. just for me, personally, right now, <laughs> yeah. when is the uh, workshop going to be up? Do you know? The Boza workshop. That My Boza workshop. Boza, Boza, Boza yeah. workshop. Okay. Um, it depends on the technology. Don't you just love technology? Oh, <laughs> it's like the Patreon. Oh, shall I click here? Shall I click there? Um, so thank you for asking. I've um, I've recorded it. So all the videos are, uh, are done and ready. And I've sorted them. And they don't need much cutting, which is wonderful. But I've got to get the page up on my site okay. and work out all the kind of shop things around it. So I'd say maybe maybe a couple of weeks from when we're recording now. Okay. So perhaps by the time this podcast goes out, maybe all right. we'll see whether technology is on my side or whether it's going to ask me to go a bit slower than I want to. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll be able to go to your website and purchase the access to the videos. Yeah. And yeah. that's the Ancestral Kitchen blog that you're talking about. Yeah, that's ancestralkitchen.com. Okay. There'll be a I'll put a new menu on there for courses or I haven't decided what to call it yet, Ooh. but um there'll be something up there. So it will courses be Courses like yeah. dinner courses. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Well, so Flying by the seat of my pants here. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so for those of us that can't get enough of Alison's voice, <laughs> We can also get her on video and we'll just all um, fall asleep to the sound of you teaching us how to make boza. How's that sound? <laughs> and then you'll, you'll know it, it in your sleep, like that <laughs> oh, subliminal thing. It. And then play in the morning, you'll be able to make boza. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that'll be really fun. I'm really excited about that just because it's not a, a ferment that anybody is talking about anywhere that I know of. And no. I know you said even when you go no. to Turkey, you it's hard to find kind of the original version of it there yeah. since there's kind of a modernized um westernized version with a lot of sugar and whatnot yeah so, there's a sugared version basically yeah so yeah. this this is just something we need it's lacking um i feel like I, I personally have this weird obsession with beverages and i like when you're talking about the chocolate book and you're like oh there's all these yeah cacao beverages i just wanted to say you know just Teach me one of those. <laughs> so I'm really excited about this. Give, give me give me time to try them out myself. Yeah, give yeah, it a couple yeah. of months. Get, maybe get I'll be able on that to. And then I'll be also signing up for your cacao workshop. Please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. So much, so much in exciting investigation and sharing. I, I know. It. I know. I like it when you <clears throat> do all the fermenting literally and you pre-digest the information and make it easy for me to yeah, understand yeah. what a metaphor yeah <laughs> yep, there it is so tonight is a slightly different episode than any we've done so far um and this is really 
something that's been heavy on your mind, Allison, I know, and it, mm. it, um, has been on my mind a lot for the last few years. And so, um, I'm really excited to talk about it, to talk about, you know, where we're at in it, both of us, but why don't you give mm. me a quick intro on, um, why we're talking about this tonight? So yeah. The topic okay. And why we're talking so about tonight, it. tonight we're talking about quitting supermarkets and it sounds like quitting the reason <laughs> yeah it, it feels like that to me seriously it feels like an addiction that's why uh, I thought the word quitting just came into my head immediately when I thought about this topic oh, because well, I feel like we're addicted to the supermarkets you know yeah. so um the reason I want to talk about this is because when we lived in the UK in Cornwall before we moved here to Italy we managed to get supermarkets completely out of our life and it was an absolute joy it really was because there was no feeding that kind of mechanism, no going into supermarkets. Right. We were buying from farmers, everything. And then we moved countries, which kind of puts a spanner in the works. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not quite there yet right. with doing the same thing in Italy. We're almost there, but we're not quite yet there. And so I wanted to do this episode particularly now because... I want to be held accountable to doing the full quitting supermarkets. I want what I'm saying and this episode going out to hold me accountable. And I want to ask for input in helping me to just transition that last, those last bits from you and from our community, our growing community here, in the hope that that will, will encourage each other and persuade each other and help each other and inform yeah. each other to be able to move this direction together. Yeah. Even to just have the idea presented, um, mm. just to have the idea presented and in somebody's mind where it may not have existed before is huge. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what we'll, um, what, what I wanted to talk about was first of all, why we would want to quit supermarkets. Right. And then, you know, if there's no supermarkets, what, what do we replace it with? What comes into that hole in our lives instead? Right. And then the actual practical steps of how to, including my stumbling blocks and other stumbling blocks that people are experiencing and, and looking at those in detail and how we can get beyond yeah. them. Okay, so... Does that sound good? This so sounds fantastic. So you're saying you, you had um, lived outside the supermarkets before, you moved countries, mm. There, you know, you're working your way through a little bit of a language barrier and finding your footing yeah. and everything like that, you know, thankful for the convenience that it's there. You didn't starve or anything like that. So yeah. wh why do we, so why do we want to quit supermarkets? Give me, give me an overview and let's break oh. it down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this this is a big one. So I've tried to order my thoughts a little bit to make it clear because clarity is so important in making changes. And really the word that comes to mind is if someone asks me why you want to quit a supermarket is because they're toxic. I think they're toxic to our environment. I think they're toxic to every, every part of that, to our seas, to our air, to our towns, to the people who live in our towns, our communities. I think they're toxic to our sanity to our bodies, really just to society as whole. I feel like they're a toxic part of modern Western society. So so are you talking the dumpster behind the, you know, when you're talking about yeah, towns and environment, you're talking about like the dumpster back there, the, the pavement, like what, what do you mean by waste? Yeah, so firstly, 
the the first bit of toxicity is waste and you're right it's obvious you see the the dumpster the bin at the back of the supermarket and I think everyone's kind of seen newsletter newspaper headlines of people who've gone and scoured through bins and found stuff and fed communities on it there are people who do and I think there are even supply chains where they take waste from supermarkets and feed people so there's a there's a huge waste in supermarkets in every part of their supply chain not just at the stuff that doesn't get sold but in the production in the transportation in the oversupply in the fact that you know if the apple does has some holes in it they can't sell it if the banana's not straight they can't sell it not curly they can't sell it so there's that waste but there's also the fact that when we shop there if we have that mentality they encourage us to waste Mm -hmm. so the in certainly in in England there's a big emphasis on deals in supermarkets there's a buy one get one free so you buy one loaf of bread you get another one loaf of bread free or you buy one get one half price and the stats say that about 30 to 50 percent of purchases in supermarkets are this buy one get one free Wow! and then we just we don't value that that purchase and we waste it and I think the clearest example of that is something that we mentioned on the sourdough podcast I think a few weeks ago that in the UK 44% of bread is thrown away and some of that's in the supply chain some of that's at the end user throwing away moldy things and if you buy two loaves of bread because you think it's cheap because you're getting one on a buy one get one free then it doesn't really matter if you throw a bit away you know it's, it's a whole different ball game than if you've made the bread yourself and I think that waste is the first part of the toxic kind of um, load of supermarkets. I also feel like um, the, particularly with the buy one, get one freeze, they encourage us to make unhealthy food choices. If you go into a supermarket, you're going to see all the packaged food. You're going to see the buy one, get one freeze, and they're going to be on food that's unhealthy. You go to the checkout and you see chocolates and snacky things and try get a kid through a checkout without them wanting one of those you know you see all this industrially produced food that has to last in plastic packaging that's leached into the food with goodness knows what chemicals in it to keep it you know able to stay on the shelf shelf stable and that is the second part of the toxicity of supermarkets. If you have to go out and buy from a farmer or buy from a market, you don't see those things and you make different choices. You really do. Well, remember, this is just struck the the irony of this when you said that, that the candies are there. I think Mm. I'm trying to remember from what I saw in the UK when I was there, but they're next to magazines that are like, how to lose weight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah. well, I don't know what to say. But I, I, and with regards to the food waste, I know I've seen studies here that, mm. you know, say people go to the stores um, around here that sell like huge cases of food, um, uh. lots of processed food. And <clears throat> what they have found is that when if you buy a bag you know x size and you take it home and it lasts you x long then you think logically Mm. when you go to that store that sells the big bags you think okay this will last me 2x long but actually what happens is Mm. people eat 2x as much and throw away twice as much so again you're right it's not that valued and um 
it's not really doesn't really translate into a savings for the end user is what they found and the majority of people who shop at these stores that sell you know huge quantities of food are actually not um, budget buyers they're higher income people so yeah, that's just yeah. an interesting thing that is kind of a mind twist and if somebody wants to know mm. how manipulative the shelves are at the grocery store let me just tell you, you have never made an independence choice in a grocery store mm. once, not once. It's scary, isn't it? And um, there is a book uh, called Why We Get Fat by Gary Tobes, and he breaks down some of that marketing and some of the science behind how the food is manufactured. And okay. it is shocking and violating and you feel like you've been just used and had mm. and um handled but it's true we, we are being used <laughs> and had absolutely every square inch on those shelves has a price and where things go you know you said that it encourages us to make unhealthy food choices well you know when everybody was realizing how the junk food aisle was making them so fat people would say okay i can't resist it if i see it so i just won't go down that aisle and food manufacturers get into your psyche and they said okay the women aren't going down the cookie aisle we'll get the women yeah. so they started putting on those aisles 100 calorie packs 100 calorie snack mm. packs so the women say oh i will go down that aisle and get my healthy you know i say that very sarcastically 100 calorie snack packs mm. and lo and behold when they started going down those aisles again they started buying up the cookies yeah. again so i'm just saying there's yeah. there's a whole huge engine behind the shelves at the grocery store Okay. Yeah, I <clears throat> I totally agree. And there's something, I mean, I'm reading Radical Homemakers at the moment. There's quite a lot in that about the science of marketing and, and how it's right. a huge industry that's basically driven yeah. what we're living now. That's another great and, book you know, it's, on for that. Yeah, it, it has. So I feel like, you know, the waste and those, healthy unfood, those unhealthy food choices, they're just the beginning of this toxicity. And right. in and of themselves they would be enough yeah. for us yeah. want to say that we don't want this in our life but but there's there's more you know there's more toxicity shall i um carry on with my <laughs> with this carry on with my rant yes let's carry on with it and i'll also say as as, okay. as somebody's listening to this if you're thinking well i do kind of want to get out of the grocery stores but i just keep going back to the grocery stores um one of the ways that I got myself out of them the fastest, because it actually never crossed my mind to get out of them, but then I started reading these books like Why We Get Fat and Radical mm. Homemakers. Mm. And that was, you know, eight years ago that I read those books and I thought, oh, and we pretty mm. much just gave them up only because I was reading those books and I thought, I don't want to be manipulated like that. I don't like being manipulated yeah. that way. And because of that, I was like, see if I show up at your grocery store, you know? So again, get dig into that, um, that motivation behind why you're doing it and uh, it will be easier to resist. Yeah, the why. Okay, You've, let's, we've talked about that before. Yeah, let's, let's keep know. going. I want to hear what else you have to say on this. Okay, so the third kind of big 
section of toxicity that I feel around supermarkets is the toxicity they put into our environment. And by that, I mean our physical environment, so i.e. pollution, but I also mean our social environment, so community. So starting with the um, environmental pollution side of that, first of all, supermarkets are being built. Things are being knocked down. Loads of raw materials are being brought in, car parks, things are being, trees are being flattened to make car parks. That's the first obvious one. Moving on from that, the transportation involved in supermarket supply chains is completely insane. Any person who looks around them and sees that things can be grown around them would look at a supermarket food chain and go, what? Why is this happening? And if you go, for example, into a supermarket in the UK, they don't just have food from the UK. They do, but they also have oranges from Spain. They have melons that have come from Italy. They have grapefruits from South Africa. And in addition to that, they have things like French beans from Kenya, where the supermarket has bought up a load of land in a, a less well-off country and are using it to grow beans and then flying them to the UK to sell them <coughs> to customers who go and shop in the supermarkets. You know, you're, and it's Allison, just you, absolutely crazy. <laughs> no, it is. And, and mm. you just mentioned that. But that is a huge issue that is not widely recognized in the plant, like pushing plant eating only which is that Mm. and you said beans in kenya where they can buy huge plots of land and Mm. they can pay people way less than they would have to pay them in the uk and this is a major issue and nobody really talks about it but food is grown there monocropped the land Mm. is utterly raped and destroyed you know, the soil is wrecked with all the chemicals. Um, people mm. are not treated well in terms of their health is devastated by exposure from, you know, from chemicals and things like that. Um, but but that then the food is flown across the ocean. Yeah. There's a cat on my lap. He just came down here. I hope he's not being too loud. Um, flown <laughs> across the ocean and processed in one country and then flown across another ocean <laughs> sold in another yeah. country and and from there trucked all over the world or all, all over the country you know to the grocery stores and then a mm. person in their home drives to the grocery store and then yeah. takes that final drive and takes it home but wait there's more then they throw the package in the trash and it gets yeah. driven there again and and I did not see the um you know moral uh superiority if you'll say of making that food choice um i just i just don't see how it's sustainable okay so sorry to interrupt so you, but you so really many things got me on no so many there. things <laughs> so many things in there that, that i just want to pick out before i move on to our next point <clears throat> the plastic packaging what you said <sighs> it's all got plastic packaging it's wrapped it's boxed it's it's cling filmed and that goes into our sea And we now know that, you know, we're eating fish that have got bits of plastic in them because of that. So that's just compounds that issue. And then you talk about the car. So we'll I'll probably talk about a car later on because that's something I feel quite strongly about. But we have to use a car to go there. And all those plastic packages, they're held in fridges and freezers in the supermarket that are on all the time. And, you know, they leave the lights on on them. They're on all the time. The thing about the land grabbing that I wanted to 
add was that the indigenous communities that lived on that land are just ousted. And I know that probably um, we may have differing views on thinking about how COVID started, but at the same time, um, wildlife habitats are being destroyed. And there is a large train of thought that from scientists that says that COVID started because we're destroying wildlife habitats and they're having to go elsewhere and they're transmitting diseases. And we're doing that by those beans from Kenya. Yeah, you know? I mean, and COVID or not, just, that's happening. It, we're destroying you know, our world. Yeah. yeah. And you're right. The, and I these feel pe- like... These yeah, people are completely <laughs> displaced with no say in the matter. And yeah. it, it's, it's really, I mean, it's... I don't know if this is the right word to use, but it looks like colonialism in a way because people are getting pushed off and then kind of having to be remarketed back in to work um, for somebody else now. And of course, that's not really that beneficial to their economy. There's a lot. (laughs) There's a lot going on here. (laughs) And you're you're right that um, it's like a colonialism, but it's a capital capitalist colonialism and it is all about money because the money from the supermarkets goes to shareholders and I just wanted to give an example of the ridiculous amounts of money so I looked up the the leading supermarket in the UK is called Tesco's and I they released their first half of 2020 profits and their profit was in pounds 55 million which is 770 sorry 550 million which is 770 million dollars in half a year profit and the the article that I read said that you could build 22,000 schools in Africa for that amount of money whether that's the right thing to do with the money I don't know but the the amount of money that that's profit in half a year that one supermarket in the UK is making I mean when you and it when you can just it's unbelievable (laughs) when you consider that i mean um make money make it ethically i'm all for that but um yeah but if um you consider that the farmers and the people at the beginning of this yeah are either living in abject poverty or are barely making their mortgage payments and then Mm. food is also being manufactured synthetic food is being manufactured Mm. believe it or not and then when a farmer who's actually growing food on land not in a factory goes to sell his food somebody will compare it to the factory food and say i can't believe you're charging that much yeah and most of the farmers i see knuckle to that pressure and they'll sell their food at a loss mm. or a barely even break even just so that they don't completely sink under and you wonder why farmers are just quitting you know it's, it's yeah definitely they're, hard. they're going out of business right. because of this stranglehold that supermarkets have through their supply chain and they have a stranglehold because we're going there you know in the past yeah. the the streets we would have had high streets and we had independent traders and lots of different ones and they had ownership and their families had ownership of their supply chains so there were lots of different supply chains and farmers would feed into those and those farmers would be able to to care for their animals care for their workers actually have a living 
what we have now with these four or five companies that control the supply chain is what they care about is profit. And so anyone who wants to be in their supply chain has to yep. to dance to their tune because yeah. there's only four or five supply chains. Yeah. And so the prices go down. They pay as little as they can get away with. So they can't care for yep. workers' rights and they can't care for animals' rights and they can't care for society and they can't care for the environment because what they care about is the money. And we think, oh, well, we've gone in and we've bought a cheap chicken. Whoa, I've won. Price. But the cost is being paid. It's being paid somewhere else. Yeah. And because it's not in our face, we don't feel the pain of it so much. Mm-hmm. But, but people are going out of business. And if we had to go and, and talk to those farmers ourselves, and if we saw how those animals were being kept firsthand, and if we saw the plastic in the sea, then we, I think, would choose differently. But supermarkets have this facade that enables us just to not notice it, to look away. It's the picture and it's of the farm so toxic. on the plastic package. Yeah. The picture of the farm on the plastic yeah. prag- package is a proven method to get you to accept that this came from a beautiful farm, even though, if you yeah. really stop and think about it, the picture has nothing to do with anything. It's not like you're looking at a photograph, you know, of where it's being raised. I mean, it's a cartoon image and it works Mm. every time. That's Mm. what's crazy. Yeah. And you sound like you're describing the same thing that we have here. Um, The Walmart phenomenon, um, it, there's documentaries about it. There's people who talk about it. This is not an unknown thing, but um, Walmart will move into a small town in the U.S. And overnight, the main street, as we would call it, is decimated. Mm, okay. So all the small, yeah. you know, <clears throat> small hardware stores are disappearing. It's almost impossible to find them. Yeah. Um, small um, individually owned pharmacies are virtually a relic of the past. Um, small grocery stores. Who, who's going to go to a grocery store where they can't pay the same price as Walmart, who has the buying power of, you know, billions yeah. of units at a time, can get their prices negotiated down so low and, and you know, manufactured cheaply. Um, who, who's going to go shop there, right? Because they think, oh, well, like you said, the cheap chicken is the prize and and we think mm. we've won but the cost is that somebody was probably enslaved to get that food on your table that cheap because i'll we're we're enslaving ourselves <laughs> we are, through and, doing it you know because we're destroying our community as well yeah. we're we're destroying town centers we're right. destroying high streets we're well, that, pushing ourselves into cars there's more pollution yeah, yeah. we're not moving our bodies we just we're we're destroying communities, we're destroying ourselves, and we're destroying our world. It feels like has been one of the products of this, um, I don't know what you want to call it, supermarket mentality, which is the community loss, as you just said, because, again, we've alluded to this on earlier podcast. you can walk into a grocery store and check out and never talk to a single human being. And yeah, so there's just yeah. that aspect alone, but also the fact that you don't need to know your butcher your butcher doesn't know the cuts you like. Your butcher doesn't know that your dog, you know, that you have a dog. You know what I mean? You don't have a butcher. You don't know what a butcher is. Uh, you know, all these just different um, community aspects have completely disappeared. 
uh, in the face of being able to get everything from one huge mega buyer that can sell it to you for super cheap under a fluorescent light bulb and you never even yeah. need to talk to anybody <clears throat> just kind of crazy yeah and and it it's produced a, a supply chain where we're now de- becoming dependent on the, these <clears throat> multinationals yep. and <clears throat> in the uk i know more than half of the food comes from abroad and that's figures going up. So we're losing these skills that we talk about all the time, our, our ancestral skills, our abilities to cook. We're losing connection. We're losing, we're losing what food is. We, yeah. we don't, we're, we're having a false idea of what food is. Right. And people who are being born now and who think that, soup, who are living with supermarkets think that that's normal. Right. And, and it's, it's leading to a position where the world has moved on and it's, the the way it used to be is being forgotten right and it's very important for us the people who feel passionate about this to try to do something about this because it is a stranglehold and it is about money and we have the choice with what we do with our money to completely stop it happening well every time you walk through the door and then run your you know money through the account it's it's a vote Right, you you've just voted, yeah, yeah. Um, completely. And, and sometimes, sometimes it feels like we're trapped, you know. And and when when you um, mm. jumping back to what you said real quick about fifty percent of the food in the UK is produced abroad, yeah. Um, and you said that figure is getting bigger. For one, that's terrifying because you know, as we see happening yeah. when you know borders are shut down or whatever. Uh, and yeah. you don't have the ability to feed your people. That's a problem. But um, part of that might be because so a definitely phenomenon we see out here, and I saw it in Virginia also, that the green line where where it's agricultural land, that line keeps getting pushed. And then what, oh. what you would call like urban sprawl keeps pushing farther and yeah. farther into agricultural land because there's a lot more money in real estate in, in houses out there than just like a hay field okay. so um yeah that that's a loss of you know gdp right there because now mm. you're not producing something there anymore you have a consumer moving in and living on the property and then that feeds back into mm. that consumer mentality that uh, yeah. i know shannon talks about that quite a lot in the radical homemaker the consumer culture Mm -hmm. um and as you said then we we do lose the skills and we do lose the connections so okay so so people are getting used to we could talk about this forever (laughs) (laughs) we could talk about this forever (laughs) 12 i think um it's (laughs) i think it would be um Having listed all those toxicity things, now I think it would be good to, to move on now. <laughs> yeah, yeah let, let's right. let's be positive. We, let's we, have some positivity. We brought the mood down. <laughs> um, and I know people say, so, so let me ask you then. So people say, mm. okay, well, I feel, I, yeah, I get that. I, I agree. I, it frustrates me. And I know you're telling me that I'm going in and I'm voting, blah, blah, blah. And I hate it mm. in my heart. But um, we need to eat. And we have a budget we live in town we live in the country mm-hmm. whatever it is what how do we get our food what do we do where do we go you know the, you yeah. just told me okay. that the high street is gone so 
are you telling me the supermarket is my only choice, but I can't go there? Like now what? Help, help us. Yeah. <laughs> so the the word the word to answer that is local. Even if the high street, the main street has gone, there is yes, local there food. Is. And local food is a method for creating health. Health in our environment, health for our bodies. And so instead of all this toxicity, we want, <coughs> excuse me, we want to produce health and local food can do that. And I listened to a podcast early in the week with a, a lady called Ruth Layton on it, who's um been a director of a, a farming um, kind of um, community and there was a quote that she said that I wanted to share in this part because it it kind of just made me stop and think and she said it is necessary that we expect that the way our food is produced provides a benefit to the climate provides a benefit to biodiversity can be used to restore habitats and have wider social benefits and the reason I I like this quote, is that she says it is necessary that we expect yes. that the way our food is produced be like that. And that's what we need in order to change this. That's what we need in order to survive as a species. We need to say, I expect that my food system will be beneficial to the animals, to me and to everyone around me. And the supermarket food chain is not like that. And for most of our history the supermarkets haven't been around no. food system have been beneficial and so <clears throat> what we need to do is take the money that we do have and use it judiciously with local food food that comes from places as close to where we cook it as possible food from our gardens food from individuals food from communities food from people who care about what they're doing. Food from people who are earning enough money to have a decent way of living. Food from people who are using the money that they make to reinvest in the land. Food from people who haven't abused the system and abused the land and abused the environment to make it. And that is local food and it's real people. People who have a face food that has a face there's a, a guy in the states who talks about food with a face mm -hmm. and i think it's really important for us to to go to the other extreme from the supermarkets and know the people who grow our food know the people who raise our animals for there to be a face to what we're eating and what we're consuming right. because that is the way that our food will provide a benefit to us to society and to the world. Yeah, that's powerful, Alison. It's really true. Mm. There are obviously caveats to what I've just said <laughs> in that you can't just come home with a haul from a farmer's market or a haul from your farmer and bung it in the microwave. <laughs> you have to I just love it when you know say how it. to handle that produce. <laughs> bung, yeah. When I said it, I thought, oh, there we go. <laughs> you know it's my favourite. We need, we, need, we need to know how to, to, to cook that food. We don't need to know what yep. to do with bones or liver. We need to know how to cook leeks from a father's, farmer's market or purple sprouting broccoli. We need time to cook those things we need the skills to cook those things and also we need to do research and that was a big thing when we moved to Italy that we had no farmers around us I lost all my connections that were in the UK so I spent a lot of my time researching and making connections with people 
to find sources of food and that takes time so the the things that this alternative comes with are more time needed more research needed and more skills and more cooking needed do you agree I absolutely agree. And that's where our podcast comes in, Allison. <laughs> yeah, okay. But really, um, you're, you're absolutely right. And I'm not sure if this is the right place to put a couple of resources. Should I should I say a couple of resources mm. now? Or? Yeah, now go. Okay, yeah, so yeah. this, um, I know some of these just apply in the States. So um, mm. sorry to friends outside of the united states i'm not sure but i know here and i've told you before that we moved multiple times and so um it can be you have to start your network somewhere and if you just really allow yourself to become a part of your farmer network one thing will lead to another you'll earn trust yeah i agree yeah and i will say in most states a lot of people aren't going to sell you some of the stuff until they trust you (laughs) um because Mm. Um, real food outside of the supermarket oh there's another conversation we could have about lobbying and legalities and how farmers Mm. have nobody representing them unless they're factory farmers really um, and that they're playing a part of the supermarket chain game because um, it is harder by the day for farms to do things outside of the supermarket paradigm which is also why it's important for consumers i think i'm on a soapbox right now but it's important for consumers to be willing to make the effort it it is an effort um, to find the farms and to connect with the farmers because I the more people who walk away from the supermarket system, the tougher the lobbying gets because dollars are seen to be walking out the door. Yeah. And like you said, we have shareholders that we're responsible to. We have to um, make the money. So, you know, send Joe to the hill and get him to convince Congress to whatever, you know, um, mm. you know raise the whatever you know you know lobby for this or make it illegal to sell that or you know make it illegal to to raise an animal without a shelter whatever you know kind of a thing it is um so so it it is important though because at a certain point if everybody is refusing the supermarket paradigm i mean what are they gonna do <laughs> that's what i want <laughs> so so for some resources to start finding farms because again you, you gotta start somewhere um eatwild.com eatwild.com and we'll throw all these okay. in the uh podcast notes for you yeah. guys but um eatwild.com has always been my starting point because you can usually find meat and eggs that's kind of what it's geared towards but Oftentimes mm-hmm. the farmers will also say, oh, we sell veggies or whatever. And like I said, once you get in with mm-hmm. one farmer, you know, you say, boy, I'm really trying to find somebody who sells cabbage. And they go, oh, have you heard of, you know, and you can toodle off mm-hmm. down the road and find that farm. Um, realmilk.com. That's a Weston A. Price mm-hmm. project website. So realmilk.com will help connect you to, um, you know, milk shares and things like that in your state. Different legalities in every state for us. 
Um, if you go to westonaprice.org and then go to their menu and click on find food, they have a pretty decent um, resources list for you there. You can find chapter leaders in your area who can help connect you to farms or who know who the farms are. Also, Weston A. Price yeah. has what they call the 50% pledge. So I feel like we're kind of like you, Allison, when you were in Cornwall and when we were in Virginia, we just kind of walked out of the grocery store system, not with any really huge, um, not like I really knew what I was doing. <laughs> I never know what I'm doing, but I just was eating so much off the farm. And so yeah. I was not going to the store just because like, hey, you know, free food. So why would I go buy food? And it's funny that you mentioned the trash, by the way, because I remember I had a rice bag, um, like not a teeny tiny bag, but like the kind of woven ones. I don't know how much they hold, like five pounds or something like that, 10 pounds. Um, mm -hmm. And I just put all my trash in it. And because everything was coming off the farm, like I would take the same basket back and forth, you know, and then I took all the, any waste products I took back and composted and, you know, I, mm -hmm. I think it took me like three months to fill that bag with trash. And that's mm -hmm. just an example of like, I wasn't trying to be whatever, you know, economical or environmental. Yeah, just I, that was it. just, there just wasn't that much trash. You know, there was no packaging on the vegetables because I was yeah. digging them out of the ground myself and putting them in a basket, you know. Yeah, I was driving back and forth to the farm. Sorry, Allison. Um, but um, Weston A. Price, so, so anyway, so to say how I feel like we were similar to you, you were saying in Cornwall, you mm. guys were outside the grocery stores. Then we moved back yeah, here that's right. to Washington. And as you were saying, you know, we, you're like, I need to eat dinner right now. <laughs> you know, you have to eat something. Yeah. And so buying stuff at the grocery store and then we kept bouncing around until we found somewhere to live and then we um we were living in town and i just i think i went on instagram or something and weston a price had posted take our 50 percent pledge which is mm -hmm. pledging to eat 50 percent or more of your food from farms and i thought i think we already do that you know because we're getting milk and meat yeah. and all our veggies local and then I just thought, I mean, how hard would it be to do 100%? And I was like, what am I even buying at the store? Yeah. What is it that you go to the store for? Junk, basically. Snacks. Yeah. <laughs> Trash. And I thought, you know, if I, I bet if I only ate from farms, I would like automatically be eating healthier. And so, um, so I just decided in, it was in February of 2020, I just decided no more grocery stores. Mm -hmm. We just won't go. And... I didn't know it was about to get weird outside. <laughs> I, I had I, I was an innocent person living at home trying not to get on the internet, so I didn't know anything was going on. Um, and then all of a sudden, people are saying, "Yeah, I don't go to grocery stores. You can't go to the stores." Blah blah blah. And I was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, here we are." Um, and I had that panic moment where I thought, "Oh no." If they're saying in 48 hours, everything's shut down and you can't go to the store. I thought, oh no, should I run to the store and buy a bunch of stuff? And then I thought, wait a minute, if you want to prove to yourself that you don't need the stores, this is your <laughs> chance. And I resisted that yeah. urge and I didn't go. And um, yeah, yeah. So then when we moved again, then again, we moved, you know, I couldn't even find dishes and I bought stuff at the grocery store. We started finding new farms again and... 
Now we have not gone. Well, actually, Gary went to the store. Well, okay, we spent like forty bucks at a store in like, you know, five months. So, so, <laughs> so it feels like we're not going to the stores um, anymore. Which is not. Let me talk about where 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 I'm at with yeah, it as well. Hear, just okay, as you've so, you've jumped into this. So, so you you said buy local. I wanted to throw those resources yeah. out. I wanted to tell you where yeah. we were at. And now I, and you, you said research, it means cooking, it means times, it means skills. Yeah. But yeah, you have not really told us where you're at in this journey yeah. yourself. Not, not as far as I want to be, but <laughs> quite a, a lot further than a lot of people I see shopping in the supermarkets for sure. So all of our meat comes from um, Flavio, a farmer. Um, and our eggs come from local farmers and our dairy comes from local farmers. So that is all supermarket free. Most of our vegetables come from a weekly local producer market that we go to on a Thursday night here, which is in the square of our town. And the farmers are there selling whatever they've grown. And then we have a local cooperative that I can cycle to. And... I tend to go there and get the stuff that I can't find at the farmer's market. So I'll supplement our veg and our fruit from there. And then our things like grain, seeds and nuts, we use our local health food store that's in the town, or we there's a, a kind of an ethical supplier of um, nationally in Italy, which started off as a book company, a um, spiritual kind of healthy book company, and now they sell things like grains and seeds and nuts and miso and that kind of thing. And so I order from them. So really, I would say that probably food-wise, 90% of our food comes from people with a face or that ethical supplier, online supplier. The problems that we have with food, the main problem is fish. Fish has been part of our diet because my son historically has not been able to eat eggs or dairy. So... The thing that I give him is fish. When I have an egg or when my husband has some cheese, he'll have fish. And fresh fish is expensive, difficult to find sustainably and hard to cook. And so we've been buying tinned fish from the supermarket. And I want that out now. I want to try to get more organized with the meat that we get and do things that I can give to my son that will be quick as well as just as you know good for him as, as the fish right. and will come from our farmer. So fish is our main problem and I want to stop that. Outside actual food, so turning more to goods for the household. You, you, you don't we want to use, stop yeah. eating fish to be specific. Well, I, I don't mind if we eat less fish. Okay. I think we probably naturally will eat less okay. fish right. because if we buy it sustainably, it's going to be more difficult to cook. And so it'll probably be a meal we share as a family, all three of us having it, rather than just something I open okay, a tin gotcha. and give it to okay. my son. All right. So the the other side is the, is the household goods. So I'm talking about things like washing up liquid, toilet rolls, baking paper, etc., and from those, some of them, I've been able to move to a different place. So I don't buy sanitary towels. I, I use cloth sanitary towels. I'm hoping to move into making soap. Italian houses have a B-day. Maybe, maybe I, I kind of set as a task this summer of learning to use that rather than having <laughs> toilet paper. And also I can use 
again, I can use that ethically minded health food store that delivers nationwide here to get, for example, toilet paper made out of recycled plastic bottles. It costs more and it's about me prioritising that and also thinking of alternative ways to change up what I habitually do around tasks in the kitchen to not need to use those things that come from the supermarket. So that's where I said the kind of the call out of this episode. You know, if people are using different things to wash their dishes, to um, to cook with instead of baking paper, to wrap things in, then I'd be really interested in in hearing about how others have found alternative ways and kind of creative ways that would inspire me to take that those packaged goods that go around the kitchen out of their lives. I love that. I I would definitely love mm. to hear what people have to say about um, all of those things. And that's definitely something that we... <laughs> I feel like for us it was just purely budgetary <laughs> that long ago things like plastic bags and um, mm. paper towels and things like that just disappeared from our life just because I was... Okay. I just couldn't face the thought of spending money on paper towels that I was just going to throw away. Throw away. When I could just yeah. get a towel. It just didn't make any sense to me. And then when I go to somebody's house and they say, oh, just, you know, wipe it up with paper towels. I just cringe because I'm like, oh, mm. I feel like I just put money on the floor. How could you bear to? Like, I, I don't know why. I, I don't know. <laughs> but. Um, it did turn into us again accidentally I suppose you could say being kind of environmentally friendly because now we weren't um, getting plastic wrapped paper towels and we weren't getting um, plastic wrapped you know whatever and <laughs> uh, this is probably a horrible thing to say on a podcast that everybody's gonna listen to but um, <laughs> when my husband was deployed I was like well you know I, I just use cloth wipes for the baby and I just looked at the cloth wipes one day and mm. I thought why does the baby get to use these nice cloth wipes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, I'll just keep a box of these in the bathroom for myself. And it was just me and the baby and it you know, worked out fantastic. <laughs> uh, but that kind of horrifies people when you say that. But I was I was already washing, you know, um, cloth diapers. And yeah, so, you were washing tons of it anyway. Yeah, so it didn't yeah, I remember feel that. <laughs> like um, any stretch of the imagination, you know, to throw a few more so have you kept that on now now your children are older no do you still do that no we don't still do that Mm. i really only just did that in virginia um but Mm. i do remember just our cost of living was extremely low yeah um because um you know the the food was mostly coming off the farm and yeah i just couldn't bring myself to buy things like paper towels and stuff like that so but that that gave allowance for when I was going to go buy things like nuts yeah, or exactly. um, grains that I didn't know anybody locally that I could get them from at the time. Um, those cost more than if I was going to buy the cheap ones. But now the, the money existed for them, if that makes any sense. So yeah, 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 I guess the trade-offs kind of showed up. And I, I, I wouldn't really say it was all thought out or methodical. It just kind of happened. Um, happened. But there, there it was. It's interesting because our habits 
once we change something, we just get into another habit and it and it's it fine. True. But it's that kind of push to, to change the habit initially. It's the same with changing eating habits, you know, being used to sugar or being used to the taste of something. Yeah. Once we actually change the habit, it... it it becomes easy to maintain it. It's the actual physical push of the switch that's that's more that needs more impetus, and that's kind of that's part of the reason why I wanted to cover this topic today because I feel like it's the impetus that is important. Once we do the push, once I stop it buying fish from the supermarket, <clears throat> I will get used to another way of of doing it. Right, and that will be my new normal. And if if we, the more people we can get to just get to the point where that impetus is just a tiny bit more of a push, then that's how we stop people shopping at supermarkets. And I know that the or people who even, are listening to this podcast... S- not even stop mm. people shopping at supermarkets. Just start people shopping at farms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself to a world that, that in the future that I'm dreaming of. <laughs> she, she has created our future and we just have to go along with it. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> were you going to say something or can I ask you another question? <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. Ask me another question. Go on. Okay. So we know what we want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We know what we don't want. Um, yeah. And, and you kind of, you've alluded to this. You, you've mentioned a few of these mm. things, so, but I want to I want to give, if we can, just a little bit more um, discussion to this. What are things that stand in the way? Um, even yeah, though yeah. if we're listening to the podcast, if you're like me, you've already thought of, well, Allison, here's my 10 reasons why, you know, so let's yeah, hear it. Yeah. <laughs> let's, what are things that stop us? So for, for doing a kind of an inventory of my own journey, I figured there are three things that stop us. Okay. And the first one <clears throat> is the biggest one, and it's money. Right. And people think that shopping outside supermarkets is more expensive. From my journey, and the fact that I did it in England, and we're almost doing it now, the basics aren't more expensive if you change what you expect and your habits. Agreed. So, <laughs> you know, growing vegetables is cheaper than buying it. Buying grains in bulk is cheaper than, than buying bread. <laughs> buying offal is cheaper than buying even the cheapest meat in the supermarket. So those things are actually cheaper. Some of the periphery things that we've just talked about, like baking paper, toilet paper, they can be more expensive if you don't go to the supermarket that has Uh the buying power. And so that, what we've just mentioned, is about trying to find alternatives. Can I use cloth clean-up sheets rather than paper towels? But I think there's there's a... an unasked question when people talk about oh it's too expensive which is it's about what you prioritize i live in a family with a household income below average well below average um we don't have a car we live in a one-bedroom apartment we don't have a television we don't have a subscription to netflix we don't go on holidays we don't eat out we prioritize what the money that we do have where it goes and who it goes to and we spend a huge proportion of our income on food and I totally believe and I know because I've done it myself that it's possible to earn not very much and still be an active part of a sustainable food system and in addition there's one other thing about the money that I think is important 
to briefly talk about, which is something you alluded to earlier, that most of the people who are shopping in supermarkets aren't on necessarily the poverty line. There are a ton of people who are affluent who shop in supermarkets when they don't have to. And if we could just change the habits of those people, the people who are affluent and who have the money to spend more on farmers and on direct purchases, then the power of the supermarkets, their legs would be cut off. So there's two things about the money. It's about priorities, it's about being smart with those priorities, and it's also about understanding that for the most of people who shop in supermarkets, they have some disposable income to make some changes. Right. So it's not the big barrier that people think it is, I believe. You know, Shannon Hayes mentioned this, I think it was in an interview. Yeah, it was an interview she did on some podcast that I can't remember the name of. But she said that when she and her husband, when they would work at the farmer's market, um, you know, it would be a hot day, so they'd have their frozen meats kind of covered up. And they used mm-hmm. to think when they'd see somebody come walking up and they could see a big diamond ring on their finger they think oh look at those nice clothes and think yeah these people are gonna have no problem spending money on this food Mm -hmm. she said they began to learn over time they wouldn't even bother to uncover the meat because she said that they wouldn't buy anything Mm -hmm. she said it was the people who came up and counted out nickels and pennies you know those were the people who were committed to buying the food and that just kind of blew my mind but it is um so, so I, I don't even, I, I think that the thing is not to start with affluent or not affluent people. We just need to start with the people mm. who care. Yeah, And a lot of care, times right. that's the people in her experience. It was people who came up and they said, oh, I know what hard work looks like and feels like, which is not to say that a rich person is <laughs> not going to know what it looks like. I'm just saying these were manual labor workers and they looked at the beef and how much it costs and they thought, yeah, I can imagine myself butchering that and I know, you know, how that would feel and how much work that is. Um, whereas somebody else might think, you know, ah, you know, I, I could buy it cheaper somewhere else. So I want to come back to, to what you said about people who care in a minute. So I'm holding that thought before we get to that. I want to just mention the two other things. Right. Are kind of identified as stumbling blocks. The second one is time, because as I said earlier, you need to time to research the supply chains. You need time to bake bread. You need time to sort through meat when you've ordered it. You need time to make sausages like you did, and that is something that requires a bigger shift in our lives. We need to understand that um, being held in a nine to five, where we are driving to work for an hour and driving back for an hour and time poor is not a productive way to be able to make that change if we want to make that change. And so we need to look at our lives and look at the way that society is organized around nine to five working and have a different attitude towards it. Understand that living on less is possible and understand how this standard kind of commercial capitalist world works. And that's something that really has taken me a long time to get out of you know to the point where you know when I was 25 26 I was working for Microsoft and I was well in that world 
And it's not something that I just went, oh, okay, suddenly I'm going to have, you know, no money and quit this job. And (laughs) it's been a slow change of me just being at the point where I was ready to change something and moving a bit, then moving a bit and moving a bit and getting to where where we are in our family now and understanding that our life is run on a very different way to how it was run when I worked nine to five and accepting that we love it this way. We love using our time and having shifted our life like this. So I feel that, and that goes in kind of hand in hand with the third issue, which is skills. Because in order to learn skills, you need time. And in order to practice those skills, you need time. And in order to buy from people with a face, buy food with a face we need to know how to cook that food Mm -hmm. and so I think you know that's what we both feel passionate about and we are creating this content now and what we're doing to try and encourage people to if they're interested in cooking real food try to encourage them and help them to do that and I think you know the money the time and the the skills are the three things that that stop us um, I wanted to go back to what you said earlier, which was the the people who care. You know, not talking about necessarily people who are affluent and targeting them, but the idea that the reason I started this journey, the reason I moved my life away from corporate, the reason I've moved towards buying, you know, ninety five percent of our food from farmers, is because I care. And each step of that, there's been a little push at that point where I cared to help me move to the next step and I think you're very right when you say to be able to communicate with and understand a person is in a position of they care about this and they want to make they're ready to make a change and then to help support that change to provide community around that change to be there with someone and and pass on a skill pass on a knowledge that's how this will be disseminated through the communities and the populations that that we want to see it in i i believe are you with me on that yeah yeah i feel I'm that and are. and i want to i want to walk that fine line you know on I, there's there's a brand that has a tagline um if you care and i don't know why it always irritates me because i'm like I do care don't try to you know don't don't try to manipulate my emotions you know I don't want the grocery store to manipulate my emotions I don't want you know and I don't want to sit on a podcast and try to um I don't want somebody to think that I'm saying like oh look you know these all these bad things happening and you're you're a bad person if you don't you know whatever um so I don't want to I I I agree with you I, I don't I don't want to go into this being you know us versus them and uh, you know, well, you know, if, uh, if the world matters to you, you would uh, just uh, really change your life. You know, like that's not how I feel. I, I just feel like the, these are you and I have thought about this for a long time and we've we've lived this for um, some time. And and these are things just kind of the underbelly that a lot of us don't know exists. And I and, and mm. by talking about this, I'm not trying to browbeat somebody into making a decision or a choice what I'm trying to do is reveal to them what perhaps I I mean I I was complete I had no idea I was completely unaware of all of this for the majority of my life 
So what I just want to do is try and shed the light on what's going on. And I also don't want, I mean, I don't know where, where you stand on it, but mm. I don't want people to think that I'm going to say, I'm going to come on here and say, you know, oh, because, um, because grocery stores are part of a capitalist market, then capitalism is bad. No, when I say you're voting with your shopping, that is literally capitalism. That's your yeah. free market at work. And yeah. when you show up at my farm and you buy eggs and I have a position in the market by showing you, you know, the value of my eggs versus the factory eggs, that's capitalism. So, so I don't want somebody to think mm. that I'm saying, you oh, you can't sell stuff. It's bad to make money because I mean, you gotta pay the mortgage. Um, I just think yeah. there's some, you know, thoughtful and conscious ways that we can go about things. And then there's some sort of just the ends justify the means type methods that are not very sustainable for uh, humanity in general. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. Thank you for putting that in. I think the idea of turning a spotlight onto something and then, you know, through sharing the way that you're living through other people sharing the way that they're living and what they're doing we're making ourselves available to each other as a support Absolutely. and to others who yes. are interested in moving to that whether they're coming from a health angle because they think oh you know I'm not feeling this great and I want to try and make a change because I want to be healthy or whether they're coming from a oh wow this wonderful food that I'm buying tastes so much better right. whatever angle they're coming from by sharing what each of us is doing we're making this network of support and reinforcement and help which will hopefully raise all of us up at the same time yes yeah let's let's because i feel i feel like you know so many people think that in order to change the way the world is you know, they want to change the way the world is. And in order to do that, so many people think they need to to rebel in a way that's aggressive, you know, to, to be on a march and to go and um, have a placard and to scream. And, you know, sometimes those methods have merit. Sometimes they're appropriate. But with this, with supermarkets, all we need to do is is stop shopping there you know we don't need to yeah. to be this I'm not the sort of person who goes on marches and holds placards I'm just not right. and I, I don't need You're to feel busy like I can't do anything you don't have time <laughs> yeah I am that's true I don't I don't need to either feel like I can't do anything no one needs to feel that because all we need to do is take these small steps towards stopping shopping at supermarkets and then they won't have the power anymore. It will disappear and we will be creating another world with every, everything we do. Alison, you're so poetic. Oh, sorry. Just the, way, <laughs> the way you put things and your accent. <laughs> you, oh, thank you. you absolutely nailed it. And I, I'm, I'm reading the Lord of the Rings out loud to Jacob right now. So spoiler, oh, yeah. if somebody hasn't. You know, doesn't know the story. Stop listening now. But <laughs> Tolkien, it, he gave us a real powerful truth in that, in that mm. trilogy. And I, 
I feel like I keep thinking of it in terms of this grocery store because the people who are shaping the way food laws run in our country, they're the, you know, the monoliths, they're the billionaires, you know, they're the leverage. And in Tolkien's trilogy, who is the hero who saves, you know, Middle Earth, who saves the day? Sam, the everyday guy, mm-hmm. the everyman, yeah. the nobody, the one with no aspirations and nothing and no, no anything is Sam. And, and I feel like that's, you said, we don't need to be arrested or whatever. Mm. We just need to stop shopping in the supermarkets. Yeah. It's that everyday person making that choice that has Indeed. Indeed. I think we should finish there. I love it. <laughs> finish before we get started. Thank on you very much. Chain. Thank you, Alison. This was yeah, absolutely yeah. beautiful. And I really appreciate you yeah, um, wanting to bring this up. Do you want to come back and revisit this? Um in a, yeah, in a couple certainly. months or something, see where you're at with it. Yeah, I'd like to. And I think if we, um, once we get our private podcast sorted as part of the Patreon, it's something that I want to talk about in that as well. Okay, I think that's a good idea. And we can get everybody's, you know, collected, collected resources and ideas. And exactly. All of that. Okay, wonderful, Alison. Well, thank you so much for all of this. Thank and, you. <laughs> and for everybody listening, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate that you listen i don't know how to give reviews on podcasts but i think if you review us it's helpful right alice (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, at some point i'll I'll work out how to do a review (laughs) i think you go to if you're an apple podcast you click on us and then down at the bottom there's a button or something but at one point that'll come to the top of my list (laughs) No, exactly. We're maybe, not exactly maybe conversant in it. How to do it. Um, but I, I really appreciate the, um, ever since we went live, it has just um, in, enriched my days to get these lovely messages. From yeah, me so, too. Thank you so much. It, me too. It thank lot. you. Alison, I'll talk to you uh, very soon. Speak to you soon. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to continue the conversation. Come find us on Instagram, Andrea's at Farm and Hearth and Allison's at Ancestral underscore Kitchen. Until next time, we both wish you much fun exploration and satisfaction in and out of the kitchen. Bye.